Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Uh, i got a great episode lined up for you today. Uh, first of all, my co-host, Patty Murphy, is out for a few weeks, so we're definitely going to be missing her. Looking forward to getting her back on the show here. Uh, so we won't have the Insiders Report today, so that's why it's a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, but we started off with an interview uh, where we're talking about transaction-level data reconciliation. It is a extremely interesting um, episode actually uh, uh, did an interview with the same individual, uh, Troy, about um, maybe eight months ago or so. Um, but we've got some new information and really diving into it. So it's really a great episode, especially for those of you that are focused on kind of larger merchant accounts. Um, keeping with that same theme, when we get into questions from the field, I'm talking about interchange optimization um, and some of these kind of more advanced topics and ways that you can save merchants money without simultaneously killing your margins. So if you have any interest in selling larger business types, uh, you know, larger merchants, um, or you just want to have a better understanding of the industry in general, I think you're going to love this episode. And I will give you one more spoiler alert. Make sure at the beginning of the questions from the field, you check it out because I've got a new ebook that I've never mentioned on the podcast before uh, that I'm making available on interchange optimization. It's totally free as usual. And so you're definitely going to want to get that information. So with all that said, let's dive into my interview on transaction level data. All right, everybody. I am here today with Troy Zentner. He is the CEO of Golden 8. How are you doing today, Troy? Yeah, great, James. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. This Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Troy and I did a uh, podcast uh, interview. When was that? Maybe a year ago? It's been a while. Six months at yeah. least, I think. Um, yeah. Super interesting. Uh, a very complex topic. Uh, one that's very important, but I got a lot of feedback from it and said, you know, hey, well, let's do another one. Maybe we can you know, clarify some things. And so we're going to talk today about recovering lost transaction revenue for merchants. So before we get into that, Troy, I know some people might have listened to the, the previous uh, interview, some may not have. So um, can you kind of give us just a little bit more detail at kind of a high level? You know, why is this so important for businesses? What is lost transaction revenue? Give us that, that kind of high level and then we'll dig into the details. International podcast. Yeah. The payment industry runs on an error margin. It's not hard to find online, right? You can look at the print, you can Google, you know, credit card industry error margins, things like that. Uh, credit card processing error margin. You can find those online. We have a bunch of statistics we've tracked, and others have sent great things from around the world. Um, so, so what? You know, businesses have a hard enough landscape here today, right? And so. You know, in the payment world, everybody's kind of fighting over pennies. And the reality is businesses are losing dollars uh, reportedly on an annual basis, over two hundred billion dollars lost with lost lost opportunity with errors, as well as uh, just errors in reporting, as well as fees, as well as just, you know, processing errors. And so what we're doing is we are pulling all of the data from all the touch points of the industry forward into the industry's first relational database where now merchants can actually reconcile at a transactional level with all of the data necessary to more or less audit the payment industry and all its participants and be able to track at a transactional level where there's missed opportunities or lost revenue. And and so that's what it is. It's, it's an opportunity for them to be able to reconcile and find these missing opportunities, missing dollars and optimize out of that and and the version we talked about last time 
we were really excited to be tracking over 55 errors in the payment industry where you know other networks would be tracking less than a dozen and data points less than like 35 and now we're well over 5,000 data points, but wow. at a merchant level, over 180 touch points or, or error categories where merchants are losing money. Hmm. That's where we're at today. Uh, wow. It's tracking over 180 at a transactional level. Wow. So really a great opportunity for businesses. All right. So, so let's see if I, can, if I can restate this as somebody who's not the expert that you are, and then you tell me how far off I am, okay? So yeah, I think yeah. I'm starting to understand it. So, okay. So what you're basically saying is businesses right now, they track, uh, you know, they, they track revenue that they've actually collected. You know, maybe it's deposits from the bank. So like most businesses reconcile to the bank. So they see right. we got $915 from our credit card processor deposited to our bank account. So they track that $915. But I think what I hear you saying is there actually might have been another 20, 30, 40, $50 in maybe decline transactions or these other categories we're going to dig into where they actually lost revenue. They didn't, they don't even realize that they lost it because they're not tracking it at that level. Or after they get the 915, then maybe they have a chargeback or they have something else fraud or something like that. And so then maybe they're losing the money there. But what, what, if I hear what you're saying, right, is most merchants are just tracking like deposit level or like, you know, that bigger picture. Whereas what you're doing is, is helping them to look at a transactional level to know, Hey, no, wait a second. You lost all this extra revenue, whether it's on the front end or the back end. Did I, did I get that closer? James, you're getting it. You're okay. getting it. That's right, good. really good. No, but you know, if I can add one thing, a couple things, maybe it's just right. We've been trained to look at a batch settlement and then go look at the bank and make sure that that got there. But when did you track, for example, prior to golden eight, when did you track, um, when did you track missed opportunity? Well, we didn't track missed opportunity. We erased failed transactions. So we don't see failures. We don't see missed opportunity. Right. So how did you quantify that? Um, what was your success rate for your customer? Well, your success rate is, you know, 85%, but it should have been 93. So, you know, statistically, right, for the whole industry, we're running at a 52% decline rate that's wrong. That's an error. So how much of that is missed revenue that could have been collected? So what we're doing is reconciling instead of at the batch, there are mistakes inside of the batch. And so if you're not going into the eight or eight to 11 reports to truly reconcile at a, you know, an off and a settlement and a deposit file, if you're not doing that for thousands of transactions, so humanly impossible to reconcile at this level, if you're not reconciling at that level, you'll never actually see the error, right? Because mm. the error is inside of the batch as well as missed opportunity. So it's 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 a technology advantage that's moving beyond what's humanly capable. And then imagine if you're trying to do all that reconciliation manually, which you're still going to have an error margin and can't find. But then imagine now that it will flag the errors for you. So it pulls accounting teams and CEOs and biz dev and customer service out of the chase for data into a world of a whole new world of intelligence hmm. where they can now optimize behavior, efficiencies, and really the end result is maximizing maximizing your revenue and minimizing expense. 
Right. Yeah. And I mean, the numbers we're talking about here are, are enormous by industry standards, right? Like, you know, uh, most of the people listening to this podcast are, are figuring out how they can save a large merchant, you know, 10 basis points or 12 basis points. You know, you're talking about numbers like four to 7% of total revenue and stuff, right? I mean, is that kind of in the range that you're seeing? Yeah. I mean, the retail, it's, it's common online, right? You can see it. We have, of course, our statistics as well, but, but national card brands will will say, you know, retail error margins run with missed opportunity as well as industry errors. Combine those together to have an average of 3% retail error margin. And then on the retail or on the e-com side, which if you throw in recurring billing and some of the that element, it's even higher, but it's averaging between, you know, 7 and 15%. So, so huge opportunities for businesses. And, you know, what they haven't calculated as well is, the accounting errors, the reporting errors, the fee errors, right? There's work tracking, a, you know, 0.37% fee errors, you know, certain downgrades or things that are happening on the fee side that are errors, partial loss, getting, you know, yep. billed yep. full amount. I mean, there's 180 reasons, right? There's yep. 180 error codes, you know, sure. here that we're tracking. And so if you think about that, you know, it, it becomes very real numbers. And we, right. it's almost, you almost laugh a little bit at that, Wow, we're sitting so focused on a nickel or a or a penny, right. and yet literally we got dollars flying out the back window, and that's right. that's what we had a really great experience working with customers. Now, something you just said triggered something for me. So, are you saying that um, that your your software is also tracking um, interchange interchange downgrades, potential opportunities for interchange optimization as well? Yeah. Wow, yep. that's cool. Uh, we I didn't track that. hundreds of millions of dollars, and and on average, ninety four percent of transactions are being downgraded. Well, right. that's a data is that's a data issue. That's a behavior right. optimization issue. Right. So yeah, our technology actually has all the billing logic for all the card brands built in. Has all of the interchange. So so it's the only platform that can reconcile interchange, but also do it to accrual accounting. So right. you dial back accounting with you know, these businesses. And then part of their problem is, you know, for all their other aspects, they'll be doing cash account or accrual accounting, but for credit card processing, because of the lack of data and intelligence, they can only do accrual or sorry, cash accounting. So for the first time, all of this data adheres to a standard where they can use it and truly track and optimize. So let me ask you a couple of other just kind of high level questions. And then I want to dig in a little bit more detail. So one thing I was yeah. thinking about before this, um, you know, obviously for us, what we would consider a, what you and I would consider a smaller merchant, what a lot of um, individual agents might consider a little larger, but let's say a hundred thousand a month, right? So we have a, a, you know, a liquor store or a, I don't know, something like this, you know, retail store, they're doing maybe a hundred thousand a month in volume. Um, you know, that's still, that could be five, $600 a month in additional lost opportunity, you know, revenue there. Number one, do you work with a lot of businesses of that size or is this mainly for the larger ones? And then and then if you do work with businesses of that size, help me understand how would, would they just they plug in your software and it magically makes them extra money? Or is it alerting them that there are operational changes that need to take place? Like what's in what do they have to do to get their hands on that extra money? Yeah. Certified partnerships makes life a lot easier. Okay. So if you think about Main Street merchants, right? We're talking smaller merchants, we're talking Main Street merchants, um, community based. You know, we love those customers and we've been working with them for a decade, right? That's 
that's what makes America great. And so we need to help them to be able to track every penny. Sure. And, and truthfully, right, they don't have the resources that larger companies might have teams, right, right, right. trying to track. And so, you know, it's it's one person in there on a, once a day trying to make this all happen on the accounting side or whatever. Right. And so we have to make it work for them. And, and so there's different experiences from, you know, if you're under $10 million, so anything from 100 grand up to $10 million annually, that's a little bit different experience from those that are doing a million dollars to about 300 million. And then from about 3 million up to, you know, four or 5 billion is kind of where we've been. And so there are different experiences. So, so the main street, you know, million dollar or less businesses, you need to work with certified partners where we have already optimized, right? We don't have to do custom optimization. We have certified partners where the data we get is good. Uh, right. Good data in gives good results back, good intelligence. If you get a bunch of crappy data, it's right. really difficult to push back a quality product of data or of, of intelligence and opportunity. Sure. So so we have certified partners, gateways, point of sales, all of that, that have proven to push quality data, timely data, clean data, organic. And and so we've taken that and then it comes into this automation. So so absolutely, we work with 66 different franchises today. Uh, we board, you know, dozens and dozens of, of Main Street merchants on a, you know, weekly, daily, monthly basis. And so we're, we're passionate about helping the little guy and making sure that they can stay in business and play on an equal playing field, right? Sure. Um, so the experience with a, a larger business, so for example, you know, that, that 10 million to the 300 million, they still want to use, um, you know, certified partners. We will be more of a consultant to help them to go, okay, that partner is really, you know, here's some limitations that might be. Sure. Here's some really great partnerships that get you what you need, help you stay in control, give you better data experience. Sure. Some of that. But there's also great APIs. So they have, you know, analytics tools and marketing tools and sure. service tools, and they have some neat things going on. And so we have two different levels APIs. So one is all of the data from the industry repair. So imagine for the first time they've been working on 25 data points, right? 35 data points. And that's all they have. And now all of a sudden it's all organized into a relational database with thousands of data points into a simple API, but they can push it into their analytics or they can write to an API that um, pulls from all of our analytics, so custom-built reports, sure. things that we know that you know right. 90% of the businesses need, we've pre-built. But imagine where a business's mind goes or a CEO's mind goes when he says, oh my gosh, for the first time, I have access to the first relational database in the payment industry, and I can pull out marketing and customer service, all these cool things. And sure. of course, we have a dashboard for them that they can use as well and they love, but but there's a lot of cool things that can happen. And then on the big boys, right, those that are high majors uh, up in the billions and things, you know, it, it's system optimization. So right. it's head working with APIs and their teams to, right. to push that. And then they'll use our database to, or they'll use our dashboards to kind of check things and make sure cool. it kind of flag. But, but, you know, so it's just really different experiences. But we're, we're accustomed to work with all three. Awesome. Love it. Okay. So I think we got enough of the big picture. So let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty details here. So, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed, um, you, you talked a lot about like on your website and things are the declined transactions 
or you know, I think you said it was from insufficient funds, which I'm assuming is declined transactions. So let, let's use that as an example because I would think that'd be a pretty big category. Um, talk to us about that problem and talk to us about how your software, together with maybe a change in operational procedure or whatever, how do merchants start to get some of that opportunity cost back? How do they get some of that lost revenue back from declined or insufficient fund transactions? Yeah, and it, it comes in a diff couple different ways. Okay, so one is imagine. Okay, national statistic is that fifty-two percent of declines are wrong. They're they're industry errors that should have been successfully fulfilled. Okay, national card brand. Wow, that's crazy. So big opportunity. Right. right. So the other big plague in the industry, inside of that, is that we're all these participants, all these gateways and networks and card issuers, and everybody doesn't follow the same standards. So therefore. When data gets pushed to the card associations and, and for approvals, they they get more and more of these general declines. And so what's happening is typically 50 to 60 percent of transactions that are declined, they actually can't give you a true reason or error code. And so gateways have simplified this back into 10, 12 different error codes. You know, networks have you know card brands. It's it's all gotten more complicated, not less. And so basically what's happening is you're getting more general declines. So you'll literally see general decline or you'll see a real famous one is do not honor. Right. Well, what right. the heck does that mean? Right. right? Like, why not? <laughs> like, I want right? to honor so, it. <laughs> so the problem is a couple things. Problem is an online merchant is trying to maximize success rates for their merchants. So they have a decline rate of, say, 17 percent, 20 percent. And they're trying to get that to eight. We're, we're trying to get that to six and at the same time dance around fraud, right? Sure. So how do we stop fraud but make sure it's actually the legit transactions that we're blocking and yet giving my client the success rate that they deserve, right? So it's this fine dance there. Well, how would you, if you make adjustments in settings, for example, well, how do you know if the adjustment you make is going to, to block good transactions, bad transactions, low or higher? So it's only through tracking failures, retries. So we're tracking retry rates, preventables. We're tracking, you know, all this behavior and results so that you can maximize the success rates in behavior, right? So there's behavioral things, inventory management, inventory reporting. There's all that type of piece that, that needs to be optimized so you can fulfill and be paid. And there's that piece. There's settings and fraud settings. And so you're tracking failures as well as success rates. And that's today business like, well, I'm tracking success, but I only see what hit my bank, right? Right. Well, you're missing it, right? There's right. there's literally tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars leaving daily, weekly, monthly on missed opportunities because of inefficient behavior and systems. Right. So only with Golden 8 can you track that. So, so yes, okay, you got this do not honor. So, that, so here's the other side. So there's settings, there's that side as far as behavior, but now let's just talk hardcore errors, okay? So inside of a do not honor, there's all these other errors that are preventable that end up back in customer service. So you bury your customer service calling cards, and especially if you're doing like membership stuff, right. recurring billing, oh sure. my God, it, it piles up really yes. fast, bad yes. data, bad customer data, bad customer billing. And so what ends up happening is, the burden gets pushed onto customer service. In reality, look at this statistic. 42% of those transactions can be fixed with a click, 
one click mm. instead of a phone call and a ticked off customer, 42% of that could just be money in your bank and a product going out, right? Fulfilled. So, so big opportunity. And, and here's what's happening is they can't see it because it's buried inside of um, a do not honor or a general decline. And, you know, you get customers that, well, we re-ran it or we, you know, we load balanced it somewhere else or whatever to try to do that. The only ones they're getting without making an adjustment is the insufficient funds. So when I run something three times, I only got insufficient funds. The other ones all have to be adjusted before they'll go through. You could run them thousands of times. So, hmm. so think about that too. So fees, think about all the fees that are wasted because they keep having to retry yeah, authorization fees and everything guessing. else. Yeah. They're just guessing. Yeah. So if you yeah. have intelligence, you can say, Oh, that's the fix. There's my click money in the bank. Right. So there's really two sides. It's cleaning up your settings. It's cleaning up your declines. It's having intelligence. And then it's behavioral things that you'll find through the intelligence as well. Oh. So it's both. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. I was thinking about two examples of this in our own business <clears throat> that, that we ran into. So one of them is, uh, <clears throat> I remember at one point I was selling a, a, a couple of different training courses online uh, and they were both $95. Okay. And, yeah. but we were selling both of them individually. So <laughs> people would come, they, they, they'd buy the first one. Right. And then the second one always declined. And I'm like, what in the world? Why do they keep, why are these idiots paying us 95 and they don't want to pay us? And you know, why are they trying to run their card again? And they don't have enough money in their account. Yeah. Well, of course, as you probably already figured out in our gateway, we had a setting that said, don't allow the same person to run a transaction for the same amount within 30 seconds or something. Yeah. So it was declining them, not because of any insufficient funds, which, which was our assumption, but because our own gateway was blocking the transaction from occurring. So yeah. we had to go in, change the setting to say, hey, let, you know, duplicate transactions run because they're trying to buy different things. And then it was fine. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. you know, and you're seeing, you're seeing more and more gateways are trying to participate in fraud. They're trying to do more fraud prevention and things like that. But what ends up happening is because they're not as deep back into the technology side or the touch points as needed, that, that there's a lot of problems that are created. For example, uh, authorized transactions. So, so think about all the e-com customers out there trying to, trying to compete with the Amazons of the world. Okay? Right. So they're all fulfilling off of authorizations. Well, there's a huge error margin from authorization to deposit. Right. So think about that where where you have to track that all the way through. So something can be authorized, but then the card issuer can block it and right. then the gateway can block it or the fraud prevention right. tool. It can be authorized and then get blocked by a third party because of fraud prevention. So so we've actually helped merchants save hundreds of thousands of dollars on an individual business level uh, within a month, two months type of thing on just cleaning up these settings and tracking right. their pendings, the refunds, refunds are notorious or notorious for, yeah. you know, being authorized and then not going through. And so now you have chargeback issues and you have customers who think right. you try to steal something. And so there's, there's relational relationship items that need to be handled. This, it's, you know, our, our opportunity with businesses has not been, can we find opportunity? It's how much opportunity and who is going to take what? Because there's so much, there's right. so much that needs to be done to optimize this. But we've streamlined it with great reports, making it easy. We'll take the heavy lift for merchants. 
Um, but but merchants need do need to play a role in in some of the parts, especially on like behavior and inventory, right. And right. Some of the stuff. It's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it until we're having this interview, but it, it really does sound very similar to interchange optimization, which I know is part of what you do. But you know, I've been very involved in solving that problem through our technology solutions and stuff with uh, just with the the proposal side of figuring out what they could save. But yeah. it sounds like a very similar problem, right? Where it's like. You, you're doing the heavy lifting of identifying a problem, and then some of it can probably be automated. It's like, hey, we just need to change the setting, or we just need to add this additional piece of data, or whatever. And then some of it might be an operational change, you know, like with interchange optimization, maybe um, there needs to be a, a, a field added that it, you know, you're, you need to ask the customer for some additional piece of data in order to get level two or level three. Um, and so it's, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, it kind of sounds very similar to that where it's like you implement your technology and there's some low hanging fruit that's probably just going to automatically drop and you're going to, you know, save, you know, the merchant's going to get some extra revenue there. And then there's probably some, you know, setting changes. And then maybe there's even some operational shifts that the merchant would need to make to kind of really get the full benefit of everything. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Without a doubt. Yeah, that's great. James, you're totally getting this here. So no, we, you know, the reality <laughs> is it's, it's, it's phases, right? The first phase, there's settings, there's things that can be done just with intelligence right. by seeing statistics and trends that they've never seen before, right? What's your retry percentage? Never been able to see that. What's right. your failure percentage? Never been able to see that. What was preventable? Never been able to see that. Right. So there's all these things that they get to see now and go, oh, wow, let's optimize you know, our fraud settings. Let's optimize our gateway. That's you know, data like you've talked about. There's all of that, right? But then you go in and go, now, did you realize that last month you had $80,000 in product that was declined because you don't have inventory or you don't, and, and they were legit cards. This wasn't fraud. And, and you're kind of going through missed opportunities. So you're, right. you know, or your reporting's too slow into your website. And, and there's all these little things that can be optimized. And so it is, it's really, for us, it's an awesome experience with our merchants because we really get to know them. We really care about their business and we get to help them each step kind of peeling the onion back to really optimize their revenue. So it's a, this is an entirely different experience than like merchant services where you sign up and you might be check a statement once a month. This is a team member coming in. You know, our, our success team managers all have accounting degrees. They come right. in and they've run businesses, right? And right. they're going, okay, we're billing specialists. Here's what we've done today. This is what you've saved. This is what we've automated. You know, give us feedback. What did that save you in time? What did that mean for your accounting team? What right. did that mean for your customer service? So, so there's that whole element. And then it's like, okay, now next level is this. And it's really more of a partnership to really streamline businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, today, like we've had, you know, record growth every month this year and, and during COVID and all those type of things, because these are always a good idea, but now it's become urgent. It's right. become top priority. Yep. To be intelligent and efficient yep. has become top priority. Handle e-com, handle the whole new level of, the you know, complication. Right. To do that well, it's harder to keep a customer caught happy you've never seen. Right. You, it moves fast. You got to do it right. Yep. You know, so it's, it, and this is the kind of thing that we're we're the partners to help merchants go there. That's why it, it's driven the success, even yeah. in these trying times. Yeah, I love it. All right, so uh, last thing I want to get to, I want to make sure we have time for this because the other big feedback I got from the last interview was 
the some of the contacts I was talking to, they weren't quite clear on like, okay, this sounds amazing. How do I sell it? Like, what do I do? I want to do this, you know? So um, what I did is I kind of wrote down here, um, you know, kind of different groups or different kind of entities that would be looking to, to do partnerships. And I want to dig into this a little bit. So um, let's start off with our larger processing companies. Um, these could be super ISOs. They could be actual processors, acquirers, but they've got, you know, 50,000, 100,000, 500,000 merchant accounts. Um, what is the opportunity for them to work with your company? And, you know, what would be a first step for them in order to do that? Yeah, you know, the head of biz dev is Marty Haas. Uh, we're excited to have him kind of channel this. So Marty at goldenait.com is his contact. And you can even reach out direct. 801-310-3200 is, is the, you know, we're excited to, this is all about partnership. It's all about sure. adding value. Um, we, we are very partnership driven. Sure. Um, we know that and our goal is, you know, imagine, same people worldwide it's it's the same car brands it's the same networks it's sure. those type of things so it's the same issues right so a lot of a lot of opportunity to help in different places and that's what we want to do is just help right uh, add value wherever we can so awesome for for mega isos and kind of large groups definitely partnership opportunity rev share opportunities um you know every one of your customers can't reconcile they can't at a transactional level they can't do accounting, accrual accounting, they, you know, there's fulfillment, there's, there's all these different things. And, and our technology is driven towards high and mid-major, you know, accounting, right. you know, the CFO type reports, things like that. Sure. So, so yeah, just reach out to us, excited partner. We have partnered with, you know, top one of the, you know, top three type, you know, networks in the world card brands in the world, you know, we're, we're out there, um, starting sure. processes with, with adding value, uh, in front and center or behind the scene. Sure. We're, we're happy to do both APIs, partnerships, solving problems, consulting. We've, we've done all awesome. of that okay. uh, in the last, you know, while. So great. And I guess that would be an opportunity to, you mentioned, I think the word certified partner earlier is that yeah. a, the word so this would be a, case, a a situation where potentially if they have access to the data they could be you know start a process to maybe be, even become a certified partner is that the idea where they could provide that data exactly so okay. software partners uh iso groups um you know acquiring banks have all reached out to us we're helping um and and certified partners means we're, we're living by the same standard our goal is the same that's it that's the inline version is we, we want to fight for businesses. We want to make sure things are clean, transparent, and intelligent. Right. Um, that's really our focus. So if, if that's your focus, and then we want to participate, right? We want to add value there. So awesome. Um, so yes, and being a certified partner means you're you're going to push good data. You're going right. to help optimize their experience. It's it's that type of mentality. Got you know? it. Got it. Okay, great. All right, so let's move to the next one, which is um, the smaller ISO. So this is more of a sales-centric organization. Maybe they're doing 50, 100, 200 deals a month. They are not doing underwriting or risk or any of that. So they're just mainly selling deals. Maybe they have a relationship with a couple of processing companies, and they're just selling deals. Um, how would they gain access to be able to sell your um, you know, software, and, and how would that partnership potentially look there? Yeah, we're boarding agent ISOs all the time internally. Um, they can do some third-party stuff. We'd like to talk to them about it. Um, but again, it comes down to quality data and experience. So, 
So some of those situations are better streamlined working together than kind of fractionalized, right? Um, not every gateway is pushing good data. Not every sure. partner pushes good data. And so we want to optimize that experience for the customer. But, you know, think of it. We, we've dealt with that, but we've been able to grow through it through the technology of, you know, in these times, certain merchants have fallen off or struggled. And usually the smaller merchants are the ones dealing right. with those merchants more, more of the main street merchants, right. you know, that, that haven't been able to pivot as fast or have resources to, to sure. pivot as fast. And so, you know, we want to help those merchants. And we also want to help those partners. So as an agent, you know, you're going to have, they just took a hit. Typically 20, 30% of their revenue was hurt, right. uh, may have, may have disappeared here because of the time, uh, because of COVID and whatnot. And so, you know, imagine being able to offer something that drives true value, not just, hey, we, we're, we, you can pass the fees on or something that's not, you know, I would say not a true life changing value. Right. So so this is something that changes the business scope, efficiency, revenue. And so that also creates revenue streams that do not exist for these agent ISOs today. Sure. And so you're getting exponentially better retention, you're opening doors to bigger, better customers, um, as far as being able to pivot and, and you know, sure. use of time instead of that type of stuff. So, so this is an opportunity for these smaller partners to also close gaps on revenue that they've been missing sure. um, and, and fill gaps of things that they might be hurting on right now. Right. So drive new attention or new retention, better retention, fill gaps in their commissions and, um, you know, open up the doors sure. to new vertical, better customers, you know, bigger customers. And like then, that. and then just to clarify though, the structure of that, am I understanding correctly that, that what I think what I hear you saying is there may be some third party opportunities, but it's likely that an ISO that really would want to take this and run with it, they might need to even create, if they don't already have one, they might need to create a new relationship with one of your certified partners as a, right. Is that the idea? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yep. Yep. We have okay. uh, rev share SAS models. We've built the technology to be agnostic and and cross currency so sure. worldwide okay. and with other processors but sure. that doesn't always work with certain partners a certain size certain client base it does work right and we we have those partnerships going right but so, but they have to board deals with somebody that's going to give you clean data yeah many partners need to kind of jump on the team you right. know right. we have the certified partners we have this all laid out it is optimized um, there's not enough there that we want to go recreate the entire wheel. Of course. Know? And I think too, for a lot of these ISOs, you know, these opportunities, I think the low hanging fruit would be, you know, maybe they're selling 200 deals a month, but maybe 20 to 40 of those deals are e-com or really large or multiple location type businesses where they're like, wow, you know, we could really, you know, they would really be excited to implement this. And so maybe they're putting those deals with this new certified partner relationship or whatever it is. Um, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're open to that. I mean, we're not afraid of competition too, sure, right? I mean, of course. we're, we're open to, uh, you know, give their merchants or their partners, their software partners, their channels, this experience. And, right. and once you've experienced this, the rest kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. 
No, I understand. I, th- and I think the challenge with this is always like, and we don't talk about this lo- enough on the podcast, but you know, the reality of running one of these ISOs is you basically sold your soul to First Data or Tesis or Vantiv or now Fiserv and whatever, because you have minimums you have to hit. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you get a deal like this and you're like, wow, that sounds awesome, but I have to send X number of deals a year to whoever in order to not get a $700,000 charge at the end of the year. <laughs> you know, And so I think for a lot of them, it's like they look at that, but it, it sounds like with the inroads you're making i mean it's good for them to reach out i mean you may even already have an integration with one of the companies that they're already working with and if not you know maybe there's a percentage of the deals that would be better there so i I get it so moving on to the next one the last one is just individual agent so i'm an individual agent especially i talk to agents all the time now who really do specialize in in verticals and many of them it's with card not present it's with e-commerce you know larger merchant accounts and they're looking for that inroad. Maybe they're already doing interchange optimization um, or other cost reduction, you know, things. And so this would be like a really natural fit. So I'm assuming in that case, they would just, you know, on those deals, they would basically just come sell for you guys or one of your certified partners and, and kind of integrate that. Is that, is that the idea? Yeah. Agent partnerships, very easy, right? Um, they're, they're usually broking that agents, you know, and trying to find the best fit fighting for their, uh, merchant right and so they want to give them the best experience optimize you know for it's all about managing those relationships right and and i get that that's where i've lived as well uh for years and years and years so so huge value in that and yes we, you know so so yeah so this is something that's going to open up new doors help you close the bigger customer help you actually with you know getting out of the chase to the race to the bottom right right, right. you know it's that whole situation on you're fighting over price and some things. So this truly drives value, truly drives revenue for the company. You're instead of just saving the company money, you're going to be making them money, which right. also makes you money. And so your your margins are greatly going to increase sure. uh, retention, all of that. You're going to open up doors and have conversations you've literally never had before. Right. You've never gone in and talked this conversation with them. Right. You know, AIT, you know, automated intelligent technology, you've never had that conversation and trying to maximize, you know, all the things we've talked about, right? There's sure. optimization to fulfillment. There, there, you know, all the errors and auditing and tracking and optimization. And, and let's be honest, I mean, in this world, more and more going towards the e-com world, even retail right. has to have e-com yes. checkout. So, Right. You're literally watching, you know, or the online Walmart, ordering or right, whatever with Amazon, right. right? Right. And so they're moving from. I mean, think about that. They're moving from a three percent error margin, running into a seventeen percent error margin as right. fast as you possible can. Right. And so, how are you going to manage that? You right. need intelligence and a, an intelligent partner yeah. to drive that. And so, agents are man. This is the time right now during a COVID, during a high stress situation. Merchants have to make adjustments. Yeah. Compete from 3% to 17%. Right. They have to make adjustments. And so agents and, and, and partners and software companies, boy, that we've had a huge influx of partnerships because of that. This right. is a time right now when everybody has to think and make a decision. So if you can offer something that, that nobody else has, right. it's a huge advantage. That's awesome. So you mentioned a little bit ago, Marty. Uh, now the, the other two groups, the small ISOs and the agents, would, would they reach out to Marty as well? Or is there a different place you'd send them? Yeah, yeah right now we're going to channel through. They'll all be assigned to success team manager. They'll all be sure. assigned senior and account manager. We do it all personalized. They work on my sure. team. But I'll channel 
channeled through Marty. So again, Marty at goldenait.com is, is their best. Got it. And they can go to goldenait.com. That's your website. They can obviously go there to learn more as well, right? Yep. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Awesome. Boy, Troy, it's been so much information. I love it because I feel like we we introduced the concept on the last one. I actually feel like I, I like at least I understand it. So I'm like, OK, cool. Maybe my listeners are starting to understand it as well. Uh, I love what you're doing. I think it's super exciting. So definitely keep us posted. And, and just thank you so much for taking the time to share the information with our audience today. Oh, no. Thank you so much, James. We're excited to help where we can with anybody we can. And it's a little bit different for everybody, but we love that. What a fun experience we get to have. And and so, James, yeah, just thank you so much for having us on here again. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Troy. Have a great day. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. Hey everybody, today I wanna to talk to you about B2B interchange optimization. Um, right off the bat, I want to give you a free resource that I just realized I never really talked about publicly at all. So if you go to get ISO amp, so it's G E T I S O A M P dot com slash optimize, get ISO amp.com slash optimize. Um, there's a free ebook that I wrote uh, together with Eric over at Paytrace about interchange optimization. We talk about downgrades, um, B2B transactions, and a bunch of other things in this ebook. Um, it's very, very helpful. So, you know, I had the opportunity about uh, maybe three months ago, I guess it was now, that I was working with Paytrace and we created this interchange optimization feature on uh, our statement analysis tool, ISO AMP, um, that I own. And so we were working on that. And through that process, it was very enlightening. I actually learned a lot about interchange optimization. But the interesting thing is since then, um, I've learned like 50 times more about it because we're in the process of completing our AI, um, you know, fully like automated statement analysis process. We're still using a little bit of human intervention here, but at ISOAMP, our goal here, and you'll hear a lot more about this. I've got an upcoming event here in about a month or so. Um, but our goal basically is to, uh, help ISOs to outsource statement analysis to us. So we're going to do the full process. We actually have, you know, data entry team and, and, you know, analysis experts and all that stuff. And then we're automating. So long story short, I've been seeing a lot of statements lately. Okay. And I've been personally doing a lot of statement analysis because I wanted to really dig in and see how this is before I fully delegate it. I want to make sure I know what I'm doing and make sure that our system really works the way I want it to. So as a result, I've been doing a lot of statement analysis and one of the big takeaways I have found is that interchange optimization is huge. It is a big opportunity. And even for merchants that process as little as $50,000 a month in volume, um, it can really be a game changer in terms of making the sale. Um, and so I just wanted to take a minute in this kind of questions in the field segment, because I do get questions about optimization a lot, to just kind of answer some basic questions, like frequently asked questions that I get all the time about interchange optimization, okay? So let me just start at the most basic and work my way through. And I think you'll learn hopefully a little something from this segment. Number one, what is interchange? Well, interchange is the fee that is passed through from the issuing bank 
it is a cost that is passed through from the issuing bank to the acquiring bank, which the acquirer, you could think of, you know, Tesis, First Data, Elevon, et cetera. And so, um, you know, the, the processing company, these, these are costs that are passed through to them. Um, and so, you know, what is interchange? It is the cost of running this transaction from the issuing bank. Now, interchange fees are set by Visa and MasterCard and Discover. They're set by the card brands through a very complex, uh, you know, uh, two, you know, set of rules, basically. So the way I like to look at it is I call it a cascading rule set. And what that means is when a transaction runs, the card brands will look at that transaction and the issuing bank will look at it and it'll, they'll say, okay, wait a second. This transaction could qualify for 1.5% and 10 cents with this maybe level three. Does it qualify for that level three? No, it doesn't. It doesn't have the right amount of data. It doesn't have the right information that we need. So maybe it qualifies for level two, which is 1.7% and, and 15 cents or whatever, you know, um, does it qualify for that? No, it doesn't. Okay. Well, then it would qualify for, you know, this B2B transaction. That would be 2.5% and 20 cents. Does it qualify for that? No, it was actually batched two days after it was settled, which makes it not qualify for that. So then it becomes a downgrade. It's a standard downgrade and it's 2.95%. Um, something like that. So what happens is that when you're when a transaction is run, the issuing bank through the card brand rules, they're looking in the system to basically see what what is the lowest possible interchange category that this transaction would qualify for. They look at that and they just keep going until they find one that it qualifies for. So by change, when we talk about like, you know, so the first question is, what is interchange? That's what it is. Then it's like, what is interchange optimization? Well, interchange optimization is the use of technology and operating procedures to make sure that you're using best practices with each transaction to give that transaction the lowest cost possible. Okay. So one of the other follow-up questions I get all the time is, is it possible to take a merchant and reduce the amount of interchange that they are paying for their transactions? And the answer is absolutely yes. Not every transaction, but when you see downgrades like a EIRF downgrade, if you see EIRF on the statement or you see um, a standard downgrade, um, you know, MasterCard standard downgrades, things like that, yes, you can definitely get, you know, better rate there. Um, also, you have B2B transactions. So when you see commercial card, business card, purchasing card, when you see those names in the interchange table, odds are you could probably reduce the cost of that, you know, as well, okay? So the next question is, why would I do interchange optimization? Why would I want to show a merchant interchange optimization? Well, there the answer is really simple. It's a way for you to show savings to the merchant that does not damage your margin at all, okay? It doesn't hurt your margin at all. That's amazing, right? So now you can literally not hurt your margin. So let's say the account is currently at 50 basis points and 10 cents, and you'd love to keep it at 50 basis points and 10 cents, right? We all love to get make residual on the account, especially big accounts like that. But what inevitably happens is in order to get the account, you know, you take it down to 20 basis points and five cents because you got to show savings to get the account, right? Well, what if I said you could leave it at 50 basis points and 10 cents and still show significant savings? Well, if you do interchange optimization and if it's a merchant that would benefit from it, then you can actually save them some money. So I'm working on one literally right after this uh, recording that's in a $900,000 a month merchant account. I already looked at the statement. Odds are, I'm guessing we're gonna probably be able to save them over $1,000 a month with interchange optimization. But I did one a few days ago that was only like 50, 60,000 a month. 
and the savings was still actually over $100 from interchange optimization, which I thought was pretty good, you know? So again, on that $50,000 account, what happened is they were paying, let's call it, I don't know, let's say they were paying $600 in interchange cost. We were able to take their interchange costs from 600 down to 500 using the interchange optimization feature on ISOAMP. Um, we did the statement analysis. This is one of our beta clients that's getting our full service statement analysis. And so they sent us a statement. We, in, you know, our system pulled all the data from the statement uh, and then we matched it up. You know, our system matches it up and then we go through and then our, a human being actually reviewed everything. And then we looked at every interchange line item and said, could this transaction have been optimized at a lower rate? If the answer is yes, we went ahead and put that optimization in there. And then on the proposal, we were able to show this extra savings by taking interchange from 600 down to 500. Um, so the final question is, you know, I think it's pretty clear interchange optimization is a great idea. It's, it's you know, something you should be looking into, especially with your larger accounts. Um, but then the next question is, um, how do you do interchange optimization? So this is really important, you know unlike marking the basis points down or the per item fees down to save them money, you know, in that case, there's nothing the merchant has to do differently, right? It's like, look, I'm just, you know, you're going to save money because I'm going to charge you less. With interchange optimization, it's not like that. There's always something that needs to be done. So what is that something? How do you actually capture the savings from interchange optimization, right? It's one thing to go to the merchant and say, hey, I can save you an extra $500 a month on optimization here but it's, it's a whole other thing to actually make sure they get that $500 in savings. So how do you do that? Well, one of two ways. Um, first of all, you do have technology. So in the case of the ebook, I wrote that with Paytrace, which is a processor agnostic gateway. Um, Paytrace has interchange optimization built in. So just by switching them to the Paytrace gateway, if it's a, a Modo or e-commerce type merchant, um, Paytrace will automatically make sure that that data is there. It'll prompt the user to enter additional data or it'll, you know, pre-fill it in. Now, there, it's not, Paytrace is certainly not the only gateway that does that. That's the one that I partnered with to help me um, build out the tool and to write the ebook. But there are many others as well that do this. But the idea would be you need a, a technology solution that's going to recognize, hey, wait a second, that is a transaction that we could potentially optimize by adding additional data, you know, maybe adding, you know, cardholder information or adding a purchase order number or an extra zip code for the merchant location or whatever it is. They can, they know, their technology knows what needs to be added, what data needs to be added in, in order to make sure that transaction gets the lowest rate possible. And they automatically do that and or they automatically prompt the user to do it. So the first way and the, really the best way is technology. Just switch the merchant to a technology that optimizes. Um, you'll hear stuff all the time like level two and level three. Um, level two and level three processing, that's just a form of optimization. There are interchange categories that are level two and there are interchange categories that are level three. That is for you know, business cards, commercial cards that can get a lower rate when you add additional data. It's pretty simple, okay? So again, use a technology solution. That's the easiest thing. But also they could change operating procedures. Sometimes they're getting downgrades because of bad operating procedures, meaning maybe they're settling their terminal two, three days after the transactions have actually you know, authorized. Well, that's going to give you a downgrade on all those transactions. Um, you know, there's other things that can be happening. Maybe they're doing a tip adjust, but their business hasn't been set up with the correct MCC code, the correct business type. And so that they are currently set up as maybe a retail business that doesn't do tip. 
And so because they're doing tip prompt, those are getting um, downgraded because the authorization amount doesn't match the settlement amount. So there's operating procedures and things like that as well. So let's just wrap this all up. Interchange optimization, um, B2B. This is a huge opportunity. If you're not taking advantage of it, I would really encourage you to check it out. Go check out our ebook. Go to getisoamp.com slash optimize and you can download the ebook for free and check it out. So my name is James Shepard. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you enjoy the new ebook as well. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.